Welcome to Sample Size Podcast, the fashion and entertainment hangout produced by Sample Size Media. You can support us by giving the show five stars on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review, or by following us everywhere on social at Sample Size Media. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Sample Size Podcast. My name is Noelle, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Jaden. Hello, dolls. And my slightly lovelier co-host, Tone. Dang, that's how we're really going to start off already on a new episode. You said slightly <laughs> lovelier. You meant less lovely. Don't play me. <laughs> now you <laughs> I told you it wasn't going to be like the first recording. I switched it up for you guys. Oh. It's homophobic. I got you. <laughs> no, is it? Oh. This is homophobic now. Okay. No, very true. Um, So sorry to commit a hate crime within the first 10 seconds of this podcast, but I am very excited to be back recording with you guys. So am I. It feels like, it feels like home. Like, you know, we're here. We're here. Because I know that would would ruin this episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're back. 2022. Season two of Simple Size Podcast. Season two of... Shmample Schmash podcast in season one of Sample Size Media. Yeah, season one because I left as a TV show. Really, I say would like to believe that. I know it's not true, but I would like to believe that. Mine is unhinged enough. There's like I don't know. It might be like a drama, and maybe like something people don't want to watch, but it is a TV show. Unfortunately, (laughs) my life is a comedy. Um, just, we love comedies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like it's everybody's laughing at the main character versus like the main mm-hmm. character making everybody laugh. Type of oh, <laughs> everybody like hates to laugh tone. <laughs> everybody hates tone. But yeah, first of all, <laughs> let's let's cut all that out. We are recording from home. Yeah, season two of Sample Size Podcast. We're going remote. Is DIY, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um. We have Omicron yeah, to thank for true. that. Shout and out to also Kobe the Kyle. fact that uh, that studio was hot as hell. <laughs> <laughs> it was hot. <laughs> it was great. Shout out to D. It was hot and I sweat a lot. Yeah. I mean, and then with us being remote, it kind of just can make setups a little bit easier. Like, you know, we can link up schedules. I'm yeah. here. <laughs> We're trying to give professional content creators, professional producers. Oh, not creators. We're content producers. We're content producers. We're content producers. I'm not a creator anymore. Uh, Yeah, because content creator is a little bit too close to influencer. And I don't think I am in the mental space to be influencing anybody. (laughs) And I don't think I want to. Like, I want to curse too many people out to be an influencer. Can we talk about it? 2020, I feel like influencers are out. 2022, influencers are out. Yeah. 2020 as well. (laughs) That was a downfall. That was a downfall when you guys started making social activist influencers. Social activists? Yeah. Expand on that. I'm interested to hear what you're going to say. When we saw D-Ray at the club. (laughs) (laughs) When we saw D-Ray at the club. Shout out to Poppy Juice. Wearing the blue vest, if I'm not yeah, I heard he mistaken. Was he wearing the blue vest? You made that up. He was I not wearing the blue vest. He was not wearing the blue vest, but he was in the club. We he were was in the club, and it was wild because everyone's like, "Is that?" Babe, like I, everybody on that drunk food line was like, "Bitch, is that D-Ray?" Yeah, <laughs> like, I was there trying to get my 
ooh, that food was so good. We have to go back. But yeah, he was there in the club, you know, <sighs> getting his little freak on. I mean, you he, know wasn't, what? he wasn't being nasty, but he was just, you know, dancing or whatever. You got to do what you got to do. The world is ending. So yes. if you want to go out and shake some ass in a blue puffer vest, <laughs> then you, that's what you need to do. That's what you have to do. Like, we're all people. Y'all got to have some fun. <sighs> got to have some fun. I feel like that is really the vibe, like, going into this new year mm-hmm. with sample size like we are just trying to approach it from you know let's have fun let's yeah. be honest with our perspectives we have very unique perspectives mm-hmm. on fashion and life and entertainment so there's no use on trying to like conform to what other fashion creators or podcasters are doing because like that's just boring anyway it yeah. is and it no put too many too much expectation on us that one we don't need to live up to and it's a little too hard because we have to remember like if we're being honest we are at a disadvantage for a lot of reasons happy black history month by the way (laughs) and i'll say how you remember (laughs) 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 and we're just like we're gonna carve our own lane and have fucking fun while doing it yeah i think we went through a very like mature and honest process that like all creatives should go through where it's like yeah you have so much passion for something and you want it so bad but if you are pursuing it in a way that like burns you out or just makes you exhausted mentally or just really fucks with any of what you're doing and your mental health on a day-to-day then you really need to Mm -hmm. adjust and just try to make sure the things that you're passionate about don't become like a burden because i feel like yes with us we are very serious about this like mm-hmm. we're goofy people but we really love fashion and culture in a very serious way yeah. and that tends to make like our content and our thoughts super serious but you know it's exactly. a learning process and i feel like we're, mm-hmm. we're doing we're, we're on our way yeah i do agree with that and especially because Yo, we got jobs. Like, this is not our job yet. My so, <laughs> careers. Yeah, doing. It was, it was it's, getting a little crazy. It's, it's the side hustle, right? That's, it's a, that's sample size. I, I feel like I'm clocking in the sample size 24 7. I love it. I love it. But. Hello. Yeah, no, I do feel, I, I do feel like a lot of times I'll be at my job like, not at my job, but I'm doing my job. Like this is in the way. No <laughs> yeah. shade. I love the opportunities and the stability that mm-hmm. a nine to five provides. But half the time, I'm like, I don't really. You don't really need yes. me. No. I <laughs> if my yeah. boss hears this, then you absolutely. Need me, <laughs> oh, undoubtedly. People, people from my job will be hearing this. Um, y'all you, need. Do you me. share the pod with your coworkers? Yeah, they like following it and stuff and all that stuff. They don't, it's really? fine. Yeah, really? yeah. Nah, I don't share Ooh. any. It's like information until after I leave for the workplace. <laughs> it's completely fine. I mean, like my coworkers are pretty chill. Like I, I like them. Um, yeah, and, and a, I think because yeah. where I work, I'm not telling you what I do. You people are for listening, but I think it's just it's pretty simple. Not simple, but it's pretty like public. It's pretty like easy like environment so it's yeah. not something that i, I feel like so, I you don't, you're not in like a corporate like no. strict environment no. like i'm in a corporate environment it's not strict but it is very awkward yes. to discuss like your side hustle or your side passion i'll be requesting dto up. and i have to say like yeah um my grandma's funeral is tomorrow so <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah but i do think this is the year 
<laughs> this is the year of finding a little bit more balance. Yeah, sure. exactly. Because um, 2022, it has been to a rough start. We had passing of two prolific rough. people. Rough. Um, Andre Leontali and mm-hmm. Manfred Terry Mugler. Full transparency, I just cried over this like two seconds ago before my Wi-Fi decided to cut off. Um, but yeah, do it's, you want to? Yeah. Um, how do you guys feel about it? It's it was hard because Andre Leontali died first, and for me as a black lover of fashion, and I mean now content producer, but someone who <laughs> is a, appreciative of fashion, like Andre Leontali. Without even realizing, like he, his who's the blueprint? He's the blueprint. Yeah, like even when I'm, what we're doing now as like, um, fashion analysts or just like discussing fashion, mm-hmm. the the way he did it and the way that he was in love with fashion, that's something that I admire. He made yeah. it fun. He really cared about it, and as a, as we see him as like a black person, we saw how he was like pushed to the side unjustly and yeah. he he is off he while he is like the blueprint he also is like a cautionary tale if we're being honest absolutely mm. because we saw the way that vogue and miss anna wintour you're gonna you're gonna get your tape anna wintour the people we are coming anna. for that bob we are ready for we are you. coming for that bob because there's no way. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I know I'm going to, you know, the burning place for saying this, but the Lord, why place. couldn't you take her? Andre and Manfred, yeah. but you won't leave the Bob here. The Like she got, ooh, the Bob. The Bob. How old is she at the moment? Ageless. She, she will <laughs> never just, die. She She's literally an, inter- an eternal. Like, yeah, it, it that when Manfred died, it was very difficult for yes. me um, as the number one Manfred stan of the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like when someone who introduces you to something passes. It it kind of felt like why why do I care anymore? Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. you know how I feel about like theatricality in fashion and using fashion as a tool and a language yes. as opposed to fashion as a consumer good which is kind of what we're going to be talking about on this episode today but i feel like manfred was kind of the epitome of elevating like femininity and the female form to a place where it's feared it's 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 feared it's lusted after it's respected and I am just going to miss that perspective because I feel like fashion is in such a place where, like, not to rail against capitalism or whatever, but honestly, capitalistic interests and just the pressure for this is going to sound controversial as hell, but the pressure for everything to be relatable yes. has killed the imagination that used to just really fuel these futuristic concepts these out of this world looks dressing women up as lobster demons and robots and shit and i feel like that's the thing that makes fashion interesting for me because i don't care about wearability like okay something looks cute on a skinny white woman 
Great. Next. Yeah. Fantastic. Where the fuck is the scary shit? Where's the super sexy shit? Like, like, especially with this couture week, I, the, the ones who killed it, we're not going to talk about couture week in this episode, but like Glenn Martins gets it. My king. Even he gets it. And even he's not as, um, like theatrical and like a lot of, Manfred's work was extremely costumey, yes. but that's because he had a background in costuming and in theater and ballet. Um, Glenn Martin's achieves the same fantasy and exploration in a slightly more wearable and modern yes. approach. Mm-hmm. So I was extremely sad to see, uh, you know, my king pass, but it was it was nice to see someone who is younger still kind of you know, picking up the, the, the torch and kind of carrying that yeah. perspective forward. It is. It's, it is very sad. Cause Mr. Mugler, he, no, there will never be another like Terry Mugler. Um, no one never. is doing what he did, or what he's doing now. They're trying. They are, are they trying? The fashion industry is trying, but honestly, like the people who, who are carrying the spirit are like, performance artists it's the drag queens you know it's the ballroom kids it's the queer community that's really like carrying that that spirit of like exploration Mm -hmm. um and i would just like to see that more on the runway i would also psa to all of y'all who were posting like r.i.p tearing mugler like posts with that fucking bodysuit with that fucking bodysuit and (laughs) posted photos of like gaga wearing nicola for machetes mugler oh my god we didn't even get into where did this comb come from (laughs) (laughs) you you just grabbed the weapon baby i know attack mode I know a lot of you guys, fashion is like, it has a lot of history. There's a lot of knowledge and people don't pay attention to creative directors, but y'all just want a, a hit tweet so bad. You just Google in Mugler and I have to see a fucking mesh bodysuit. Mm-hmm. Professional journalist. Professional. In style, the Instagram account, they tweeted, like they posted on Instagram, a like RIP Terry Mugler and those photos, those photos of Gaga not wearing hmm. Terry Mugler's work, those a photo of like some leggings, they weren't Terry Mugler. That post was up for like six hours and people were in the comments like, yo, you got professional take this down. journalist and alleged fashion girls. Alleged fashion girls. I just feel like and everybody, every like everyone on the timeline who really got it clocked it immediately and mm-hmm. was like, you know what? it's time we take out the trash because I feel like over the last year, last two years, everyone's at home. Everyone cares about fashion so much. How are you going to be a fashion girl and fuck up that bad? Like that bad. Mugler is literally like the mother, like he's mother, like so many iconic looks, so many. And like you guys real bad. bad. I logged off. I tweeted that one thing and logged off. Cause I was like, yeah, y'all are not going to raise my blood pressure today. Um, so I am going to mourn my king in peace. And yeah. I literally just sat and watched, you know, the couture shows on YouTube for hours and hours and hours and cried. Yeah. Um, but yeah, rest in peace. And Maximilian Davis for Mugler Next. Oh, I love that. Period. 
Level of that. Sorry, Casey. <laughs> Get that bitch out of here. Sorry. I was gonna go. I was gonna really not try to not curse that man out on this episode. But get that bitch out of here. Not you Come calling on. out of a job, please. Fuck. <laughs> I'm, I mean, so sorry. Yes, congratulations. You, you know, have brought Mugler back to the public consciousness and mm-hmm. made it accessible for people or whatever. Yeah commercial or whatever okay great now that we have money from your leggings let's get some real shit in here like, let's get some real artistic integrity in here <laughs> yeah let's do it because i'm sure they're banking off them leggings but it's oh, cra- the- oh crazy crazy but this passing is is like too monumental for their next move as a company not mm-hmm. to be in direct reference and respect to him so yes. i hope whoever whatever we get what type, whatever type of tribute we get Whoever is the next creative director, yeah, leave Casey at home. Leave that nigga at home because yeah. I'm tired. Okay, I think I think the death of Andre and um, Terry is together is like it's showing like a lot of those old ways that need to be upheld are yes. dying out with them, and there's like Absolutely. a fear of like, yo, who's gonna be the ones really like with the knowledge and know what the hell they're doing. And I feel like fashion journalism and fashion criticism is so is it's just turned into such a circle jerk yes. where no one is being honest. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, okay, honesty is subjective, but everyone is just parroting what their other their next favorite content creator said or their next favorite journalist said. No one is like providing perspective or really breaking down stuff. Mm -hmm. All we're doing is clocking references and and that's it. Like fashion is never going to, you know, reach the future if the entire industry is just predicated on ass kissing and, Mm -hmm. you know, promoting the same bland people i sound like i got snubbed for a job i promise you i did not get <laughs> i'm like no, i was just talking about this i'm opinion. like damn it's just like this is what we've been seeing over the last month especially with us just being more focused on mm-hmm. producing quality content around this industry it's just yeah you start to notice that the people who are being pushed forward as like insightful and just you know providing whatever to this conversation they're Mm -hmm. really not they're really just repeating what other things other things smaller content creators are doing and yes i'm specifically talking about people stealing our tweets and content and shit but (laughs) it's just annoying and i feel like it's this is our safe space to say that i agree like this is our time to like because there's no reason why we should have to like talk about it quietly within ourselves we see you guys we know you do it and it's hard to talk about it because since we are small people automatically assume oh it doesn't happen no it still happens and you sound crazy and you sound crazy saying it but it's reality if reality Mm -hmm. is crazy then that's reality is just crazy you know yeah um but yeah gareth pugh i would love to see uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Don't ask me. I th- it, it sounded right, yeah. You, I, you're supposed to know this. Um, I know how it's spelled, and I think that's correct. But Pugith? I think it's Pew, because, like, isn't the Pew? actress, her last name is, like, Pew? Um, what's her name? Whatever actress. She's white, I don't know her. She he is would do a good job as creative director as well, if we're not. But I, I would prefer Maximilian Davis. That would yes. be my my dream my dream yeah. cast we need a, a a black designer who knows theatrics and who knows some, can do some sexy stuff as well no, i need i need this 
bring back mentally ill designers. Bring back mentally ill designers. I'm, I'm so sorry. I like the real mentally ill ones, not like you fake ones. <laughs> not you. Not, like, to, not to be. What is the word? Wait. Insensitive. I'm not yeah, insensitive. I'm mentally ill. That's why I like. I that's why I relate to you know uh, Lee McQueen. Like that's why I yeah. I'm so attached to those people because they are mentally ill and like yes. through pain becomes beauty. And I feel like again mm-hmm. with everything trying to be pushing towards being relatable Mm -hmm. we don't get to explore those kind of aspects of expression anymore but yes i think also Mm -hmm. because we're all trying to like just be even though now we're at a point on like tiktok online where um mental illness can be relatable you know like y'all get on tiktok and be like oh my god my anxiety no you might have anxiety but baby you just stubbed your toe but the point but like the real craziness, the real like pain in expression is not like coming through the art for a, a lot of you. Yeah, and and it's wrong for me to be like to to make a statement like that because there are yes. you, you never know what circumstances are and I do really feel like a lot of these creative directors probably are coming in with their big conceptual ideas but because of this push for relatability and profitability then you know they eventually get watered down but I would just like to to see a revival of kind of the ethos that that Mm -hmm. fashion had in the 80s and 90s I agree really the 70s and 80s not really the 90s yeah yeah 90s too but the 90s a lot of like that is a lot of the designers were starting to like not die out, but like taking breaks, feeding into like yeah. other mediums. I feel like eighties, like eighties, and then maybe late nineties is where a lot of design designers were starting to feel stressed to do ready to wear collections, mm-hmm. and that's when like a lot of them quit. Like that's why uh, Manfred quit. Yeah. He was like, I don't want to do ready wear ready to wear. And how many of our famous designers literally left their namesake brands because mm-hmm. they were being pushed to do watered down stuff and they just didn't want to do it, okay. you know? Didn't uh, want to compromise the artistic integrity. RIP to the legends. We will love you forever. And we Rest will do our best to uphold your images and the lessons that you have taught us. Yeah, and if that means, you know wearing corsets to the grocery store and bullying any other creative director that goes you know under your house then i will do that Mm -hmm. i will do that (laughs) i will do that also if you um anna i know i did insult you but if you would like me to host the met gala um the red carpet i will do that um if you need someone to host vogue's twitch stream for the met gala we we will do that Hire us, okay? Like literally hire us. Liza Koshi. I don't know. I don't know why the fuck. First of all, I mean last last year they did have Kiki Palmer, and Kiki is an amazing host. Very good job. She did amazing. So you just need like someone with like the fashion knowledge as well. I don't even need to be on the red carpet. Like I said, set me up in a booth somewhere. I'll stream on Twitch. I'll stream on TikTok. TikTok has live. (laughs) TikTok does have live streaming. That would be good. Anna, we love you. Yeah, we retract anything we said about you if and when you provide a check. Yes, a check. Your bob is like so bobbleful, and the way that it, I, 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 I could tell it is like symmetrical. Bobbleful. <laughs> it's bobbleful. <laughs> That's she. Don't even believe that. Like, uh, so me when I lie, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work. Real. 
and we are back and ready to get into our first main episode topic of 2022. And I am super, super excited for this episode because I just, something about like fashionable evil women is just chef's kiss. Uh, my brand really evil fashionable women Mm -hmm. it's just that is me um so today as you can tell by what does that say about you (laughs) that i'm an evil fashionable woman okay cool i didn't want to be the Uh, one to say it i'm glad you said it. i mean clearly it's my brand i'm saying it (laughs) so today we're going to be talking about one of the most fashionable criminals in history diamond doris payne now, I heard about this story when I was listening to True Crime Obsessed. It is my favorite true crime podcast in the whole world. Um, but this is a fashion story more than it is a story of criminal mischief. So Doris Payne is a 91-year-old world-famous jewel thief from Slab Fork, West Virginia, and basically she is like a fashion icon in the making. Fashion girl. She is a fashion. She is yeah. the original city girl. Okay, I was committed Teed to it. Down. <laughs> committed. She is a very unique figure in fashion and criminal history because mm-hmm. she is a black woman who used the like aesthetics of wealth mm-hmm. and classism to essentially con and gaslight her way into millions of dollars of stolen jewelry, which is, I mean, that is the most fabulous sentence. in the entire world um so a lot of this episode is based off of the life and crimes of doris Payne, a tale of carrots cons and creating your own american dream which is the best title for anything ever it lays it out all there like hello that's her this is this is she she's an american dream she's an american hero really she's my i mean okay we're gonna get into it because as much as we live for doris she is not a good person no uh but we will get into that later that's why uh, this documentary yeah. yeah it's 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 fine to feel conflicted i i love her symbolically but she, she's not a good person like mm-hmm. i'm not team doris in any sense of the way uh, but the documentary is directed by Matthew Pond and Kirk Marcelona. Highly, highly, highly recommend you check it out if you're interested in true crime, fashion, all of that stuff. It's really, it's really mm-hmm. a fantastic story. Uh, okay, so you guys ready to get into it? Let's yes, do it. I've been dying. All righty. So before we get into kind of like the recap, how like give me your first impressions of the documentary of miss doris of this story can i go first so um watching i'm like okay cool i'm interested to you know learn about this story about it Mm -hmm. but like from the start to finish like how she just like kept lying and like unprovoked (laughs) was just like the funniest thing (laughs) i think the best part like this story is great but the best part of the documentary is the fact that they capture they literally capture her unraveling yes like the documentary opens you're introduced to this old black woman she's very like put together well-spoken and as you go through her story she just Mm -hmm. gets meaner and meaner and more narcissistic Mm -hmm. and just awful um so again we are by no means team doris over here I, i did love her confidence and like just 
being mm-hmm. authentically her and like how she like know when to pivot like the word in a little bit to yeah. make mean like she Ooh, wasn't she, really <laughs> she's a liar like through and through <laughs> like, like and they did a really good job the directors of this doc um at presenting her at the beginning and to show you and her her best like you know like oh this mm-hmm. old woman we're feeling bad for even as we start to like learn about her crimes it's still like oh we're feeling bad for her but then slowly yeah. it's like oh lie there <laughs> they were lie. able to capture the her that she like the doris pain that she wanted to present mm-hmm. and then the doris pain that she actually is yes which is great um so just some background on miss doris her criminal career has spanned for over 70 years when she the last time she was booked she was booked with 32 fake identities and she allegedly stole over two million dollars in jewelry her biggest heist is and i'm saying allegedly because we're gonna find out that miss doris is a pathological liar and a very uh unreliable narrator Mm -hmm. so i'm saying she allegedly stole a 10 carat diamond ring valued at over a half a million dollars from monte carlo in the 70s and uh yeah so let's get into the life and crimes of Ms. Doris Payne. So the documentary, the documentary, documentary, the documentary is following Doris as she preps for this court case and as they're prepping for the movie adaptation of her story, which I looked and did y'all find it somewhere? It didn't, it never no, happened. It never happened. It yeah, got like it was a, cut. Yeah. Something got, it was one. supposed to star Holly Berry. Mm-hmm. And then that never happened. And now apparently I read uh, an article from 2019. They're doing an adaptation with Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Uh, which. That's interesting. Interesting considering she looks no, nothing like no, Tessa, Tessa Thompson. No. But you know, Hollywood only acknowledges the okay. same four or five light skin actresses. Yeah. Um, we've established that dark skin and black women don't exist to Hollywood. If somebody attached the name Reggie King, I said Reggie, Regina King, in terms of like directing or producing it, I feel as though it's gonna not like I feel as though yeah. she needs to tell the story. This is a story that that needs to be told from a black woman's perspective, and mm-hmm. no shade, not a mixed race black woman <laughs> needs to be told from a black woman's perspective. And I peeped this when I watched the documentary and when I listened to the other podcasts. They. People are just not picking up on like the racial undertones and like how yes. she's ma- using race to manipulate the situation, yeah. which is why I really hope whoever's doing this adaptation, I hope there are some black people on the writer's team. Yeah. yeah, Because Doris Payne, she was, I mean, her dad was black, her mother was Cherokee, but she's like, I'm a black woman. And she, anything she did, she's like, I'm doing it as a black woman against America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and she's she's very aware like you can't even say that she you know oh what was me she knows exactly what she's doing the entire time yes so like jen said miss doris was born to a cherokee mother and a black american father um they lived in west virginia she was born october 10th 1930 in segregated segregated west virginia which shout out to her she is a libra which i told Jaden before i clocked that she was a libra <laughs> immediately i knew i knew like because who else is obsessed with like vanity as a power construct like mm-hmm. libra women like look at kim kardashian look at uh cardi b we're all obsessed with using beauty as power yeah 
Um, okay. So here is when, I'm sorry. And I believe these, these stories about her and this racist jewelry man in the her, beginning. Like her Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Her, so let's know. get into her, her villain or no, even before the Bonnie and Clyde, yeah. let's get into her alleged villain origin story so in this documentary she tells a story about this encounter she has with a jewelry store owner her mom essentially said if you like get good grades this year you can treat yourself to some fancy jewelry so she's like great she goes to a jewelry store at like i I think she was a child like she was like eight or nine she was very young when this happened so she goes to this jewelry store by herself and is getting shown a whole number one yeah it's getting (laughs) it's getting shown watches by the store attendant or the store owner and she says initially that he was very nice to her he's kind to her but then a white male customer comes into the store and the guy the store owner like shushes her out the back door so the customer does not see him uh attending to a black girl um, and she said that in his flustered, you know, situation, she was able to walk out with one of the watches on her wrist. And that was kind of the moment where she decided, like, wait, I'm good at stealing and racism sucks. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be a career criminal who uses my race as a tool Um which I thought was a nice story. Yeah. How so, did you, so when I heard that, I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, great. You know, I, like, you know, racism forced her to be a, a thief. I'm all for it. I was like, I'm supporting yeah. like regards of who she heard. And it's like, it wasn't to the end. Of, I'm, and I'm hearing the story again. Like, I didn't notice the plot holes. Like, oh, that, you went to a jewelry store by yourself. I'm like, me next. Oh, Hold up. Me next. Handwriting. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Miss Mamas is lying. <laughs> no, Okay. What store owner is going to show a nine-year-old some jewelry? And you're black, too. He's a nine-year-old like, black girl in the 1940s. Yeah, he's going to let you look at this jewelry and act like you're an actual paying customer. You ain't right. got no money. You're nine. Right. And treat you like you're Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, like, this don't make no sense. And the way we're conveying it now is not how she conveyed it. Because in the documentary, if you watch it, you'll notice in the first, like, half of it, you are you are team door. She's telling yeah. you about, like, you know, she worked super hard. She got these grades, and she was going to get treated, and she was so excited. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this man was just switched up on her on a dime and immediately was like, no, I cannot be seen with a blackie. And you feel bad for her. And she basically, she, she straight up says, I started stealing because of yeah. racism. Yeah. And I, like, initially, I was like, I can't, I can't be mad at that. No. At all. I can't be mad at that. You have to like be like, okay, yeah, down down with racism. But I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. But you are the villain. Like you yeah. are the problem. But that's I mean, I mean, we're we're jumping the gun, but yeah. that is the power of her manipulation. You have that first initial reaction and your team Doris. Yes. Uh but yeah. So another <laughs> Another childhood story. Mind you, this documentary is all, it's not all being told from her perspective, but that that story was told solely from her perspective. So we have no one to verify it. Mm -hmm. This is another story that I found um, 
when the original uh, movie was being filmed, she did a series of interviews with, one second, let me find the woman's name, Yunetta Boone, who was the screenwriter for the original movie. And in this interview, she told Yunetta that when she was a child, she used to play this game called Miss Lady. Um, it was basically just like an imaginary dress up game where she would pretend that she would wear fancy gowns and she would be in faraway places and be going to fancy dinners and fancy balls and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I've I've had those, you know, imaginary play games as a kid. That's very relatable. But then down the line in the documentary, you realize that, OK, she might have been doing this. But she told us this information because she was seeding this mm-hmm. to justify her further actions in the future. Like, yes. this woman is... She, she's playing us the whole time. Yeah, she's so yeah. smart. Like, she already knew what journey she was going to take us. And like like you said, Literally. like in the beginning, you're like, oh, yeah. And I could see how people will fall for it. It's like, oh, yeah. Especially because she's using that age at the current moment. Because I feel as though she would have told a different story at a different stage of her life. And it's just yep. like, wow, she knows exactly who she is at all times. At all times. And she knows how to pull the heartstrings of other people. Because we're going to get into this third origin story, which I actually don't doubt this one, but I do believe it is um, a little bit embellished. So mm-hmm. in the documentary, she tells us a little bit about her home life and the first time she ever stole some jewelry. So she, again, with the inconsistencies, I could not tell if she was 16 or 23 because <laughs> I think she said 23 in the documentary, but then other sources that I read, like history.com said she was 16 when this happened. So this woman's whole life is just an yeah, enigma. But uh, around that age range, she left her home for Pittsburgh. She boarded a bus and in the city, she had pawned a stolen diamond um, specifically to sell it and give the money to her mother to escape her abusive father, which I don't doubt that her home life was difficult and, you know, her father probably wasn't great. But again, framing your crimes as I did this to save my abused mother was just like, we're laying it on really, really thick, yeah. Miss Doris. We are it's, laying it on very thick. It's like, okay, I can't feel bad for you because, like, oh, you were helping out of this horrible situation. But have you noticed she didn't mention her mother once after this? After what, it. What happened to her mom? What happened to your mom? Where is she? Like, I'm mean, obviously now she will be dead. But, like, after yeah. that, did she go, like, did she move? Did you did you move with her? It didn't seem like there you was did. Some- yeah, it, it seems like you did. But again, I, I think she keeps those details of her life extremely mm-hmm. vague. So her victims can kind of fill in the blanks and yeah. then, you know, give her that sympathy card. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of established the pathology, the mindset of this woman. So I'm sure you're asking, Noelle, this is a fashion podcast. What does this lady have to do with fashions? Where is the fashion? Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you, Miss Doris, Miss Doris, glamour girl. basically glamour girl, basically invented the black woman in luxury movement before it was a thing. Okay, there is literally nothing new under the sun. Um, Doris is narrating a lot of this, you know, sharing about her life. And 
her young childhood obviously there's no one to like corroborate these stories but yeah. there are a few people who have some like personal <laughs> affectations about doris mm-hmm. we introduced to her like childhood her like teenage best friend and then yes. her two children who are very interesting people, <laughs> I would so say. Funny. It was, honestly, this was really sad, like, when we yes. got into her kids. Um, and it's, like, two dynamics, how she treated the two of them, right? Yes. But, mm-hmm. like, before we get into, like, more serious, whenever one her daughter, because her daughter is in documentary and she's anonymous, every time she popped up yeah. on the screen. <laughs> in the shadow. Because the shadow, like, she's the only person in this documentary she that's anonymous. Old, okay, but they didn't change her voice, so <laughs> you can easily find out. And who I know she, she wore glasses. I know she had a wig on. That was the Come on. They did not. Yeah, they did not protect that lady's anonymity very well at all. Not at all. But she did like she. She did you know reveal that you know her mom was a thief, but she said she was a good mother. Yeah, but how would you be a good mother? Okay. Yeah, so the daughter, I feel like, has, you know, oldest daughter, you know, black girl daughter syndrome, where Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like the oldest daughter has to be the second mom. Yes. Um, So she, you can definitely tell that that is the family dynamic, because we find out basically from Doris's family friend and from the daughter that Doris somewhat takes care of her son who mm-hmm. is addicted to we don't know what yeah. Yeah. in the documentary he says it's alcohol but we're led to believe that is hard drugs um so doris claims that he's fine but we find out that she's taking care of him but we also find out that she does not take care of the daughter at all and the daughter actually didn't meet her until she was like seven mm-hmm. and basically the girl's father had told her that Doris was dead and just didn't exist and one day Doris just comes busting in in a full fur like coat Mm -hmm. jewels dripping done painted wig everything it's just like hey I'm your mom you know (laughs) kicks down the door and it's just a, a whirlwind of chaos and that's just so insane to me and it's like so how could she be a good mom? Also, Doris was like in Europe. I mean, we'll get into it, but she was gallivanting right. all over Ms. the Doris world. Miss Doris was a globe trotter, first of all. So yes. how are you? And the daughter found out that Doris was a thief from the newspaper. <laughs> like she had to find that out in like. So we are we are just seeing more and more evidence that this is a person who just does not care about other people's feelings Mm -hmm. she's a pathological liar she's a kleptomaniac and i don't want to call her a what a narcissistic a narcissistic i honestly i think she's kind of a psychopath either i don't i don't remember if a if it's a psychopath or a sociopath who the one that does not care about other people's feelings or isn't able to like register them i think it's a sociopath i think it's a sociopath but whatever that term is Miss Doris, she's checking off the boxes for it because mm-hmm. she has no, like, just no awareness or no care about how her actions have impacted her daughter, and I'm sure her son too. Yeah. So yeah, it that that I honestly the family stuff I kind of fast forwarded through because it was like this that is that was a hard. Lot. This mm-hmm. is a lot, a lot. 
because it is it's like a very fun and fabulous story until you actually see the people that she's really hurt yeah ramifications all that yeah uh okay so let's get into the actual thieving method the way that miss doris was able to get away with all of these jewels and finery so miss doris as we said she was a fashion girl she's very beautiful literally in the documentary they made a point of showing the police reports Uh, all of her arrest reports are like she's stunning she's beautiful she looks like linda evangelista (laughs) like miss doris was the one okay she was was one of them ones back in the day and Miss Doris was like ev- with everything, very aware of that mm-hmm. and used that to her advantage. Um, she's referred to as very well mannered, attractive, and a knack for making people trust her, which you can absolutely see in the yeah. documentary. Miss Thing can charm the fucking pants off not the pants off anyway, because it's not sexual, but yes. she was very charming. Mm-hmm. So this is how she did the deed. Miss Doris would visit a store all dressed up in her fineries, holding, you know, a designer bag, a cute shoe, or whatever. She was very aware that she had to look the part to be in a Bergdorf's or a Saks or I don't know if Newman's was around at the time. But she said that people tended to ignore her skin and took her manners at face value. And she really always emphasized that you have to look and act like you belong. So this is where we're circling around to using the aesthetics of wealth and luxury, which includes beauty, fashion, mm-hmm. and glamour to your advantage. And honestly, I had a hard time believing this. Yes. Yes. I I think, had, I, wait, before you get into your point, I think it's worth knowing that she did like make that distinction between United States and Europe. Oh, she did. Because, yeah. because yes. Europe is yes. less like race and it's more about class. So I could believe that as a European stand, as long as you belong and act like you're proper, they're not going to, yes, they're going to be racist, but yeah. like it's like, okay. She was very smart. She tailored the the role or like the character she was giving for each location for each mark she was hitting so she did say in europe all you had to do was wear the clothes and you know talk and act proper but she basically was like in new york they was not having that shit Mm-mm. they didn't give a fuck <laughs> like, they did not give a fuck yeah. i was like yeah true um but she said that in america she would uh pose as like a caucasian's friend's private nurse yeah the nurse yeah so the nurse that that does sound accurate but still like anything else like baby they're still racist like i I, you coming in with your like jewels furs everything i feel like they'll be like where you steal that from no yes that's why i it's it's when you when you say it like the way we're saying it it does sound very outlandish Mm -hmm. but when you hear her talk she really can just yes. weave a tail like she she just 
sucks you in with mm-hmm. like her charm and charisma and we can't argue with the arrest reports like she really yeah. did like she did do it yeah so it was noted that they they was like yeah i couldn't believe like they were shocked <laughs> and come on like the police the police officers were making a note of how beautiful and gorgeous this black mm-hmm. woman is so clearly she was she was absolutely giving yeah and i have been scouring the internet for more pictures of her i can like i've seen uh, a couple of her mug shots which are just like classic just mm-hmm. 60s coiffed hair and yeah. suit pant and like a skirt suit mm-hmm. i love that i love the idea of having uh, a booking photo and you're in a fucking full-on business suit <laughs> imagine yeah i love that you're never gonna catch her looking like awry a mess Mm-mm. even even current day put together yes always mm-hmm. uh and that is that is something i can't i can respect i can i can respect that so once she you know arrived in her finery and her her furs she would ask the salesperson to see like a bunch of different pieces and really she was just like quick with her hands and she shows this in the documentary how she would just like keep moving and shuffling and you know really just never being still um and she was always talented at sleight of hand from and a young I'm sorry, age Loki, when i heard that I was like that would make me a little bit more suspicious if somebody's always like finicky moving too much but i think like we're thinking of it as like she's twitching she's not twitching maybe she's probably like shuffling yeah. her she's hair her coat. On and yeah. Off yeah. and like you know giving hand model mm-hmm. she yeah yeah it, it does sound you know uh, but this next part where she would vanish an item and then so basically she would like fake steal an item mm-hmm. and then point it out to the salesperson and then have like just slip it to the side so the salesperson could find it and that would build trust with the sales associate. So then she would be able to continue the conversation and slip the piece that she actually wanted in her pocket mm-hmm. and peace out without them ever questioning her. Yep. And as simple as it sounds, yeah. this is this is the method that at least netted her hundreds of thousands of dollars, if mm-hmm. not millions. I was like, damn, that is the way she described it, I'm like, wait, that's really smart. Yeah. yeah, the vanishing part. Person. I was like, that's when you really hook and seal them. It's because they're like, oh wow, a blackie that doesn't steal, we can trust this one. Oh my god. I mean, oh, absolutely, absolutely, they, absolutely. Yeah. You have to build up the trust, and that's why I was like, at first, I was like, okay, you know, a bitch in a cute outfit is not gonna convince a racist not to be a racist. Yeah. But she really thought it out. She had the physical appearance. She mm-hmm. had the performance of how she talked and she acted. And then she built the trust. Yeah. Like she That's it. Check, check, check. <laughs> like it it makes sense. And then especially when you consider the fact that the era she was doing at there was no security cameras. No fingerprints. There was no exactly like <laughs> it, it was very a uh, very much a crime of the era. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, you obviously would not be able to get away with this now, which is why yeah, she ended recipe. up in jail, which we'll get into. <laughs> the security cameras were her downfall. Got you, girl. Yeah. Oh, I, I did forget to... I don't, I don't know if I mentioned it, but this documentary is following both her court case... All right, let me just say that again. So the documentary is actually following Doris Payne as she prepares for a court case. Um, she was accused of stealing an $8,000 Macy's ring. And uh, we get to see her discussions with the lawyer and as they're going through the uh, proceedings and stuff. And it's also... Oops, sorry. Hmm? I have a question for you guys. 
when you heard that what she was being accused of, how did you feel after hearing all, the rest of her stuff? I was like, Macy sells $8,000 rings? <laughs> yeah, I was confused by that as well. When did Macy's get diamonds like that? I was offended for her. I was like, $8,000? She would never. Oh, no, they're definitely going to send you to the federal penitentiary for $8,000. No, but I was like, she would never steal $8,000. I'm like, she she stole hundreds of thousands. What does she want with that little baby ring? That's what I thought. I mean, did she steal, did she steal hundreds of thousands of dollars? Because later on, uh, later on, we're told that she steals a ring that had that was worth nine zeros or like eight zeros and i was like baby that's, that's like a that's like a 10 million dollar ring they're much. not just showing you a 10 million dollar ring no. so plot holes i was gonna like the crown jewels like you're not that is that's under it would literally it would literally be like queen elizabeth's you know yeah. the diamond heart ring necklace that they dropped off of the tan- titanic or whatever yeah. like, <laughs> that's a 10 million dollar piece yes. of jewelry mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we see that her method is specifically predicated on taking advantage of tropes of classism and aesthetics and wealth and Doris's adventures while she was very successful in stealing and pawning off the jewelry she has been arrested and in jail many a times and her disposition about it is so funny. She's literally like, hey, it's a part of the job. She's like, I'm not going to stop stealing, so I'm not going to stop going to jail. Yeah, because one thing she was like very adamant of kept ringing is like, yeah, she's been in jail, but she's never been arrested for stealing oh, anything, period. Wah, wah, wah. No, she said they've never caught her the jewels on her. On her, yes. Yeah. yeah because one a- thing about Miss Doris, she going to flee. She gonna escape. Yep. She, she gonna flee. She gonna and, hide in Google and she gonna run. She she gonna get out of there. And we got some very fantastic tales of some of her escapes. My personal favorite favorite one was the one where she pocketed the nine zeros ring at a upmarket jeweler, uh, which was a Cartier store in Monte mm-hmm. Carlo. Which it's not like a Cartier store in like. New Jersey. Like you're in yeah. Monte Carlo, I'm sure, at like a beautiful showroom and stuff. Mm-hmm. And allegedly they brought out this ring, which would literally be like the crown jewels. And she was able to pocket it and make it all the way to the airport um, in Monte Carlo. Allegedly, she gets arrested. I mean, she does get arrested at the airport, but mm-hmm. allegedly, while in custody, she was able to pull the actual gem from the ring and toss it out the window. And then she was able to sew the actual ring part into her girdle. Um, and because like she didn't have the jewel on her, I guess they couldn't arrest her or she escaped. That's yeah. the thing with Miss Doris's stories. They always end <laughs> real Dude. not ended. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not so after the fact. Because, like, when I'm watching, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then I'm like, wait a second. Because, Miss Thing, if you have a, a piece of jewelry mm-hmm. that is worth over nine figures, mm-hmm. do you think that you're going to be able to <laughs> and right? pop the jewel out of the fucking case <laughs> or the, the actual band part? Mm-hmm. But that was one of her, my favorite fantastical story was the Monte Carlo one because she literally threw, you know, a billion dollar ring into the Mediterranean Ocean. Yeah. yeah and in the same vein, um, 
the the story that comes to mind is when she was talking about she was in Zurich, and I don't remember what store mm-hmm. she stole it from, but essentially they caught her at a train station, and then they put on a train that was supposed to be one stop. No, actually, before they got on the train, she isn't. Is that the same story where she like sneezed yes, and yes. stuff into? She was into, able yeah, to She was like she was moving. Yeah, she yes. put it in her napkin, and then, <laughs> and then she sneezed back out, and then put oh it back God. in her she pocket. Was it, was, it was given like um. What's that magician movie? If you well, like, now you now see me? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, when that scene yes. with the card. And, like, that she is, was... li- like, no joke. <laughs> then... That is literally how she describes the way she's able to move these little jewels and shit yeah, around her body. Um, also, I loved that story, too, because she said law enforcement put her on a train, a one-stop train, but there were no other law enforcement officers also on the train with her. They just, so they her just gave her somewhere. a free train ticket, basically. Yeah. And she was able to jump off of the train jump when they were refueling. At a mm-hmm. stop that wasn't supposed to be a stop. And somehow, a quote-unquote African was able to pick her up from this random-ass train station in the middle of... I don't even know where Munich is. I'm assuming Germany. Yeah, it is. It is in Germany. Mm-hmm. A random yeah. quote unquote African was able to pick her up in the middle of Germany and help her escape the country. So I hope y'all are understanding the levels of fiction fantasy that Miss mm-hmm. Doris is giving yeah. with these stories. No, nah, but it's funny though, because what if really all the stuff that happened, and like, and because like it's not written, obviously, there's no way to like yeah. verify. So, like, it's both I want to imagine like she's not telling a lie, but I also know that there are parts that she's probably yeah. embellishing even so. that's the thing like even if only 30 percent of this story is actually true it's still a fascinating story true. that deserves yeah. like a, like i would love an oceans 11 style mm-hmm. doris Payne movie yeah. because honestly we'll never know the truth of her actual story mm-hmm. so if you if they did it in like a very fictionalized way like that it would be so good yeah in the documentary, yeah. they did say that, that like, to Doris, she is Ocean's Eleven. Like, her life is exactly she, the same. She is an actress. Yeah. She is acting, mm-hmm. um, which I love. Like, again, fashion is escapism. Mm-hmm. Like, this, we can't take fashion too seriously. Fashion is a method to convey an emotion, a feeling, a yeah. moment in time. And despite the fact that she is an awful narcissist, she is just able to harness that power and convey this confidence and just the yes i do belong here and yeah. how dare you accuse me of stealing this ring that is sewed into my panty line <laughs> like what do you mean i'm I'm a wealthy <laughs> she told someone she was like a wealthy wife of someone sometime i am a white woman i, I, she, I am a white <laughs> like, you don't, do you know what you're messing with i belong yeah. here i have my jewels i have my fur i'm that she bitch. gave don't that energy she she's also yeah. a swirler. She had a Caucasian partner in crime. What's his name? Babe. His name is Babe. 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 Which yeah. I'm like, why did you give his? They never get, shared his first name in the documentary. I don't even know. If she knows. Did, his first I don't know. Did they ever say what happened? I know they like they separated ways. He was on her. Oh no, yeah. we snitched okay. on her. We yeah, like. I remember, yeah. There's no. The, um, that's what I'm saying. Again, please watch this documentary. There is just. So, so many good quips and so many good tidbits in here. 
like she dated this white man. They were doing crime together. She didn't want to, you know, actually pursue a romantic relationship about with him. He gets mad and then they get arrested on a job and essentially he snitches on her yeah. and she ends up on, yeah. in jail. So it's just Babe was a even, bitch. Yeah, he was. Listen, I was not a fan of that. As soon no. as she, she she was like, "Oh, he he wanted the other part of me and I didn't want to participate. I was like, I hope you killed him. <laughs> I hope you poisoned him. <laughs> I don't know if she's like, a murderer, but they didn't but say if what you happened killed to him, him. I would I'd be all right with it. Yeah. If you got rid of him, I wouldn't complain. He was just babe was mad. Basically, babe was mad. He didn't get no coochie, so and yeah, that and he was very much on the oh, you could never do this without me. And clearly she can. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah. Damn, we are also. not team doors, but we are certainly not team babe either mm-hmm. so <laughs> basically and this this ending of the doc when we really get into this macy's trial that is where you really start to see the true doris Payne yeah. arrive um and it is very very stark she's a very harsh cruel old lady it's like a wake-up call to like us as you as a viewer you have been like along on this ride you may believe her at this point you may yeah. not you're but rooting for her you are rooting for her um we see her in the, in the court trial you know she's talking about she's an old lady she has health issues yeah and i'm like damn i don't want to see her in jail my first major well not the first major red flag but the major red flag mm-hmm. was the scene where she calls the filmmaker. We're yeah. sitting with the filmmaker. He picks up the call as Doris. Essentially, Doris is trying to coerce the filmmaker into providing a false alibi for this Macy's situation. Mm-hmm. So the Macy's, this is this this thievery occurred, I forgot the year, but it occurred like in the 2000s. So we have security cam footage. 2006. 2006 uh-huh. it was? It like yeah, it. so yeah, we're in the mid 2000s. There's security footage. Technology has caught up with Miss Doris. Mm-hmm. There's footage of an elderly looking black woman at the Macy's counter walking away with this $8,000 ring. And of course, you know, her lawyer is saying, Oh, that's not her. She's saying it's clearly not her. I'm like, it's clearly her. Like it looks exactly like her. They're like, it is. They're like, she was wearing a black curly Afro. She's like, I've never worn an Afro I've in my life. I've never worn an Afro in my life. I was like, okay, Miss Mama. <laughs> Damn, what you got against Afros? You so mad, I, huh? She said, I'm Cherokee. I do not have those nigger naps. I have Indian blood. She's like, real hair only. Like, she, right. she, she was way mad about that Afro. Miss Doris was insulted at the possibility of mm-hmm. you thinking that she would wear an Afro. How never. dare you? She's a yeah. Caucasian woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so this scene was, uh, we basically hear Doris trying to gaslight the filmmaker into uh, covering for her, saying that they were together when clearly they were not together. And Also, was that filmmaker a little fine or was that just me? That was just you. <laughs> that was just you. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't ugly, but, but I wasn't going to yeah. be fine. Maybe not fine. No. Good that. looking. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Is this because uh, I think it's important because it was the um, probation officer that called the filmmaker, right? Because she told a yes. different alibi yes, to right. him. Yes, it was the probation so she, officer. He, she, she didn't know he was going to reach yes. out to him. So that's 
So she's yes. getting like great. And and I, she's I, like, I wrote down the I'm quote. not going to, you don't have, I, yeah, you don't have to tell exact me. Quote, no, I don't know if you have the exact If it now, makes yeah. you feel saintly to say that I wasn't with you. When yeah. I heard that, I was like, oh my God, this bitch like, is a gaslighter. Criminal. She said, I know I wasn't there, but you know. Just the phrasing of, if it makes you feel good mm-hmm. to say that I was not there, that is like psychological manipulation to yeah. the umpteenth. Because the truth is, y'all were not together. Miss, mm-hmm. you were in Macy's stealing. Yeah. So it's not if it makes you feel saintly. Girl, that's just the truth. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> Why would I watch That's just what happened. And she was like, uh, Oh well, I didn't say I met you. I said I was going to meet you. I was going. So, bitch, so why the fuck would I tell your parole officer that I was with you? <laughs> like she is, she is the original gaslighter. She. This would. Uh, fuck, girl boss, gas. Wait, what is it? Fuck gaslighting and gatekeeping. We are straight up weaponizing and manipulating. Yeah. Okay. We have All moved on. Um. And it's it's crazy because you are literally watching this woman try to use her age and her race to basically like get the filmmaker to commit a felony. That's perjury. Like if yeah. he, if he, I, I don't know if it's perjury because she's talking to the parole officer, but if he was to say that in court, mm-hmm. that would be perjury. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I was cracking. That's that. I, so because we were saying like before this, we were like. Um, you were rooting for her, but you didn't know if she was telling the truth. That's yes. when it hit me like, oh, she's she just bullshitting. She's straight lie. up. <laughs> like, I was like, like straight I, up. And she's like, yeah. I just, I, <laughs> it makes and, I felt very bad for the documentary filmmaker mm-hmm. in that moment because it's clear that he is fascinated with this woman yeah. and wants to tell her story because it is an important and interesting story. But to literally, like put your life into a project Mm -hmm. and then have the subject of that project be like hey bitch do you want to (laughs) possibly go to jail so i don't have to yeah because like at one hand he's probably like oh my god this is making for a great documentary but also he's like hold up bitch i don't like you like that that then it gets too it's now it's my life it's not me capturing someone else's life you were trying to fuck up my life too Mm -hmm. girl i don't know you like that this is just a check don't do that and that's that's where the psychopath sociopath allegations really started because this man is doing you a favor Mm -hmm. no shade because i'm sure if the movie happened or i don't know how popular the documentary was at the time yeah you was gonna make money off of that miss thing and you just fucked up your opportunity Mm -hmm. there was a quote (sighs) she tried to say something like how it wasn't about the money, like doing this documentary, like the money. I'm like, no, I don't need the money like that, girl. You need the money. Yeah, because she. Okay, can we talk about it? Because she's stolen allegedly millions of dollars of jewelry. Yeah. Where the money go? Where the money go? That's a good point. I didn't think I about know. that. I was just so enamored with the story. I That's what when I tell you. My fucking detective hat yeah. was on. I thought about that as well. All of these plot holes, like Miss Thing, you look like you live in a halfway house. She did, and I think that's son of her like parole though. Uh, might you know what that it might be because of the parole. Yeah. Your son clearly needs help. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you might, you know, shit, you might have the money, but if you love your son, I would assume that you would be providing some type of something to help your son with his addiction. And she's not doing that. We already know she's never supported the daughter. So it's like, 
where did the money go? That's exactly. the story I want to know. You, she didn't say she had any properties, any cars. You didn't even blame it on Babe. No, like I would have blamed it on him. You've been stealing for this it. long. You don't got nothing to show for it except that like the goofy bag. That's where she started losing me. Now yeah. you got two strikes against you. I, I will give her some bail that even though she was telling about crimes, if she had like, you know, money stashed away, it wouldn't make the most yeah. sense to be admitted. But it's her, her circum it's her circumstances yeah. that lead me to believe that either you really did not make as much money as you thought you did, or when you were selling those jewels, someone just fleeced you and you weren't able to like get the worth of the jewels which makes sense because how the hell are you gonna like sell a 10 million dollar ring on the street Wait. that's when she said that's i think that hurt her when she lost babe because yes. that yeah. was babe's babe, job yeah. to fence it off babe the... was the plug for all of the uh what do they call them the brokers the dealer the brokers in new york where they would buy buy the diamonds with no question mm -hmm. so yeah, that probably yeah. did hurt her profits as well, but you know, oh, well. whatever. Yeah, I can't like, feel bad for her at this exactly. point. Mm. Uh, also, <laughs> third strike, the scene with the judge. So we're in this court case. Clearly, Miss Doris stole the ring from Macy's, and they're trying. I didn't to... know she did though. I still, I didn't believe it. There's no way in hell you saw that video and didn't think that she stole that. I was like, it's her. No, no. I was going to say, with the video, like, yes, but they never could see her face. That And that, to me, you, you look, in court, you have to be very exact. Like, I it see was okay, her Okay, but the sales associate the, the also was, looked her in the eyes and was able to identify that's, her. That's why the lawyer was like, oh, no, she's a famous criminal. Yeah. Of course, if I show you a photo, you're yeah, going to think that's her. of course, it's Miss Doris, of course. And there was some yeah. evidence how, like, there was a story from, like, states away where they said that she stole, but she they knew for a fact she did not do it. Yeah. But they just yeah, so attached she, her name. To she had that one thing to be like, look, y'all. Yeah, that kind of got me a little bit. Not that's, gonna lie. I mean, that's listen, what lawyers do. The one fact that's true that's going to work in your favor. You have to you really try to work that in. You can't be a criminal mastermind unless you have a plan A, B, C, and D. Yeah. And Miss Doris did have a plan A, B, C, and D. She just ran out of options because she could never stop lying or get out of the game. Like mm -hmm. even in this documentary, we still see that she is still a kleptomaniac like oh, yeah. the scene where she's in the market and she's stealing from the local vendors yes. like she's she's still struggling with these issues so yeah. just to wrap this bit up uh she's offered a plea deal of three months but she refuses it because she just oh i can't do jail i'm too fab it's too cold mm -hmm. and then eventually it's it's ve it's a very strange scene the judge is is basically falling for her gaslighting and guilt tripping and he's very hesitant to give this elderly woman a harsh sentence mm -hmm. um but miss doris isn't even satisfied with that and then all of a sudden she's arguing with the judge who is literally asking the lawyers what do y'all think i should do yeah. please help me out so um she does what happens in court um the sales associate who she stole from um they read a statement from her and they talk about a, a victim statement yes talking about how like hey like you ruined my life you know because i got put on probation at work because you know this diamond yeah. went missing and like how doris is a criminal like no she's not this sweet old lady she manipulated me she should not be she should be in jail and the no. and the judge like 
oh, I guess you're right. So you're going to the clique, mama. Yeah, it literally up. took for this lady to be like, hey, girl, you kind of fucked my life up mm-hmm. for, I guess, the judge to realize, like, yeah, she might be a sweet old lady, but she's also a dangerous, narcissistic person who yes. has shown no intention of uh, improving her behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, then it ends oh one of the final scenes of the documentary which is the one that gagged me um, we're in jail with Doris we're seeing her in jail mm-hmm. um, the director speaking to her through like the little glass thing and Doris looks at the camera starts laughing she's like yeah I stole it <laughs> she said of course I stole it after all this posturing, and I would do it again. I would bitch. do it again. After <laughs> all the posturing about I've never worn a black afro, about being like, oh, you know what? Why would I steal from Macy? She's like, of course it was me. Of course it was me. Of course it was. Me. And you know how good Doris is. Like even after saying that, I'm saying to myself, she's probably saying that. Oh no, not at this not, point. Not she not already right, right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know. I was just like, yeah. I, I was just really thinking. I was like, man. But yeah, and she, then it's hard. Like, oh, it's hard to see like was. someone who looks like your grandma, you know, behind bars. But she did that shit. She did. And the director asked her if she had like, had apologized to anyone, to the woman, and she's like, "Well, she hasn't. Been, I haven't seen her to apologize." She was like, "Well, she didn't own the diamond, so yeah. bitch, write a like, letter. Damn, you almost ruined her life." And she did not. She was laughing, cackling. <laughs> Yeah, Miss Doris is nah. a villain through and through. Mm-hmm. Don't let these pearls in these first fluid no. baby. Yeah. I'm a bad person. Yeah. She did get out of jail yeah. early though, for um like she on did. a technicality. And then she got arrested again for stealing. So she's never gonna stop. Okay, so we're gonna take a break and then be right back. Whew, that was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. Miss <laughs> Doris is quite the, the scammer of all scammers. Scammer of all scammers, the original city girl, um, and also the inventor of the black women in luxury and bimbo movements. Uh, yeah, it's notification down. 60 years before they occurred. Yeah. So, so good. Doris is certainly a character, and we are going to wrap this episode up with talking about kind of the overarching themes of this fashion icon, uh, specifically how she was able to weaponize fashion, beauty, classism, and misogyny, because I think it ties in directly to the Black women in luxury movements and the bimboification bimboification movements um tone as our resident uh heterosexual are you aware of what the weaponized incompetence movement is no unfortunately it pains me to admit <laughs> i'm starting off the i have a guess better off not knowing honestly <laughs> like, say the words again because i figured i can probably guess from weaponized, weaponized incompetence yeah essentially it's like because i'm I went to college, so incompetence means somebody that can't do things well, and then using weaponizing them means to make it a weapon. Basically. So essentially, yeah. basically, pretending like you can't do things. But yes. yeah. mm-hmm. basically taking advantage of it's a movement with a movement. It's a trend on TikTok where yeah. girls are dressing up like Amanda Lepore and kind of making fun <laughs> of the fact that you know misogyny says that women are dumb and frivolous and just kind of 
embracing that and taking advantage of that mm-hmm. in a way where it's kind of like a lot of it is is i'm be honest a lot of it is like sex work adjacent mm-hmm. so yes. that's like a whole other shebang that i don't want to get into in this episode but it's basically you know not taking accountability for your actions because ugh, i'm such an airhead i don't even yeah I, I don't know if i'm explaining this correctly i i personally no, I like no because think, go ahead Jaden. i think um what uh, it is and a lot of um these women are doing is they're playing into the stereotypes and playing into misogyny that has been built around them yeah so with doris obviously um around at that time all these sales cur- clerks were men so, and her being a black woman, a pretty black woman, obviously they already have like a lower view of like her intelligence and like Absolutely. who she is coming into like the place. So if she is like playing that up, oh, I'm just this pretty little, pretty little woman and I don't know much. I just love jewels. I just want to see pretty things. No thought, shiny jewels. I'm just exactly. so starstruck. I just, what is this? I don't even know. Oh my God. It's so, it's a big rock. It's yeah. like playing into like their egos. And obviously they're already like taking her out of different values. So like, oh no, she can't like get one over on me. She's just this pretty mm-hmm. little dumb woman. Yeah. And that is happening. in like today you see it on TikTok a lot because, you know, it's like people have realized, oh, if they think I'm dumb, I'm going to. Play pretend to be it. dumb Why not? get what i want you know i'll dress up how you want i'll like and there's nothing i mean there's a, a lot noel said there is a lot to like discuss with it and it being sex work adjacent which we are not going to go into but it, it gets has, it uh, gets real think pc it does but i think it's an interesting thing to compare doris's situation to because it just reminds us that like there's really nothing new under the sun Yes. And no matter like how we repackage and rename like the power dynamics that exist within our country and our culture, like mm-hmm. you're not inventing anything. And I think the reason why I struggle with like understanding weaponized incompetence is because it is like something that is very specific to white women, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. But like black women aren't necessarily afforded even the space to pretend that we don't know Mm -hmm. what we're doing so while doris is doing something similar where she's pretending to be a different character in order to achieve a financial goal hers is not based on or hers is not solely based on being like a hot airhead hers Mm -hmm. is based on being a wealthy black woman who is being hauled as like the exception in her community mm-hmm. because she's beautiful, wealthy, and well spoken, and, and light skin, and of course light skin and with quote unquote exotic features because she did have them cheekbones. Miss Doris's yes. them them Cherokee Native American beautiful mm-hmm. cheekbones was yeah. present, so mm-hmm. she benefits from these stereotypes and in a way that's similar to the bimbo movement, but I think really is very, very similar to the black women in luxury movement, which yes. if I could have a beef with a concept, that's a, ooh, that's a that big the one. concept that I would be beefing with because taking over the internet and like TikTok specifically. Tone for the heterosexual check-in. Are you aware of the black <laughs> women in luxury mo- movement? 
I'm aware of black women luxury. Yeah, that conversation is always on a TL and whatnot. So yeah. Yeah. So Twitter topics. Let's go. (laughs) We are Twitter topic podcast now. Uh, yeah. So it's basically just the 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 movement. It's basically just black women trying to focus on elevating their life and their financial, emotional, relationship status by just basically like pursuing luxury capitalistic interests mm-hmm. um it, it's it's kind of it's tied in with anti-blackness a lot of times because usually the wealthy aesthetics or the lifestyles they're trying to emulate are very they're just they're white women they're trying to emulate mm-hmm. wealthy white women yes um which drives me crazy because out of all of the the things you can choose to live in your fantasy life, you're choosing to do that. And mm-hmm. I feel like I would not have an issue or that this movement would not itch my skin if one, the kind of downside of that was not shitting on blackness or shitting on yes. things that black people do. And mm-hmm. again, we see this with Miss Doris. Miss Doris does not want to wear afro. She does not like she uses the fact that she is a black woman but you can tell that she is she lives in the fact that she has pretty light skin exotic Mm -hmm. privilege which is crazy because that wasn't a thing before like that there wasn't a name for that and yet here's there here's this woman who is taking advantage of this exact phenomenon that we're talking about today yeah the second thing i hate about black women in luxury movement is the fact that all you bitches are tacky and cheap and do not be given luxury <laughs> do not be given glam you be trying to talk down on the bbl girls while wearing a Shein fucking two-piece from fashion nova like what a, i said that wrong <laughs> yeah, it, it drove your point. I got so mad. Like you got a Shein but body somehow, suit, fashion over, bitch. Like, somehow it made sense. Though. It yeah, it's, tacky. it's 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 the thought that I am better than these other black women who are expressing themselves in a different way because I wear a houndstooth printed outfit from Shein. You're you're not that doesn't make you luxurious. That doesn't make you better than anyone. And in today's day and age, you can't pull a Doris by wearing, no. you know, cute outfits and like putting a sepia filter on your photos. Like gone are the days where you can pretend to well that's not true because tiktok is I, I, I disagree actually yes because of tiktok because that's not true women in luxury and them femininity coaches be raking it in they are making yeah. thousands of dollars by preying on the insecurity of single black women mm-hmm. and teaching you these fucking femininity classes and shit yeah so like it doesn't work in real life anymore but now that we have the digital age where you can it's create a persona Yes, and some people have gotten so successful uh, where they've pretended they've made money yeah. and now they've turned it into like a real life. Yeah, and then that but money that they've... Them- exactly, the money they've made off of teaching this ideology yep. is being kind of funneled into like, see, it works. When exactly. in reality, we all know that like, I hate to be that person, but like wealth is silent. Luxury is silent. Yeah. Like... You don't mm-hmm. have to scream it. And I feel like that's where Doris did it right. She never like mm-hmm. 
in in her explanation she's saying yes this is what i was going for but in her yeah. actions she never had to explain that because you saw it from the quality of her garments and how mm-hmm. she just held herself and her confidence and yeah. i feel like there is something positive we can take from this even if it is just projecting this idealized image of yourself to kind of like Mm -hmm. trick your brain into accomplishing whatever you need to accomplish that's really what I took from this is like if you believe in yourself and if you adorn yourself the way you want to be perceived then people will perceive you in that way really the issue is when you start you know stealing (laughs) from artisans and shit and lying and traumatizing your family Dora, who's a method actor, like she stayed in character the entire time. Exactly. She was um, playing the role. It reminds me of that TikTok sound that is going around. It's of Rihanna. And they're like, what do you do when you feel like you, you know, are sad and you want to cry? She's like, I pretend. I pretend. Dora's I pretend pretended. until it's a, a reality. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, go ahead. It was successful. I feel like um, what I took away from this and what I can bring into my life is sometimes especially as, you know, we talked earlier about going into sample size in like 2022 in the new year. Mm. I feel like sometimes there was too much, there was like too much thought while we are supposed to be thinking about it. But I'm like, maybe I just, it, yeah. I'm not feeling so much confident in my place in like fashion and media. I'm like, I just need to like tell myself and like let myself live. Let me live a character. And this character that I'm living, um, I'm having fun. And we're going to talk some shit. And, and my character no has already accomplished the things yeah. that I want to accomplish. So in me doing it, I don't feel nervous because my persona already did it. Exactly. I'm like, why Why am I afraid of sending this email? My character's already done this. <laughs> my idealized version of myself has already yeah. accomplished this. So Everything. I feel like if you take away anything from this episode... Fashion is an escape. Mm-hmm. Lie until you make it. <laughs> lie until you make it. Just Let's don't do any crime. But if you do any crimes and you make some money, don't come to me and tell me, but my cash app is open. My Venmo is open. Or if you're going to lie, at least make the story believable. Yeah. Because no one stole believes that you stole <laughs> Queen Elizabeth's crown jewels and then tossed yeah. it into the Mediterranean Ocean. Yeah, doll. <laughs> That's what it is. Just lie better, really. Lie better. And yeah. you know what? I'm I'm very team fake it till you make it, especially with things that are not like illegal, you know? Mm-hmm. Fuck it. If you have to if you have to hype yourself up and trick your brain into being confident, then trick your brain into being confident. Exactly. That's all it is. That's it, basically. From Sample Size Media and Doris Payne. XOXOXO (laughs) City Girls. Yes. (laughs) So, I think that's the end of this episode. I think it was. Episode 1, Season 2. We're back. We're back. Of Season 2 of Shmamble Shmash Smodcast. Of course, you can follow us and support us at Sample Size Media on all platforms, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter.com. And please, please, please do not forget to uh, rate and review, especially on Apple and Spotify. Mm-hmm. We are actually trying to be professional producers of content. So yes. definitely help us out with a rating and tell a friend. 
Yeah. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Shoot. It's so nice to be back. So nice to talk to you guys who are listening. And well, it's going to be amazing. And don't forget to follow nothing. us on our personal yeah. pages. I am Yeah No on everything uh, except Twitter. It's Yeah No with two E's. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Jaden underscore wash. At Jaden, I'm still trying to get your Twitter account, your Instagram account. Don't bloody me fighting. And on Twitter at Jaden, I am underscore Jaden. And I think that's it. Yes. And you can find me on IG and TikTok at Tonebone, T-O-N-E, period, B-0-N-E. And on Twitter at Tonebone, T-O-N-E, underscore B-0-N-E. And we'll see you guys next week. Just kidding. We'll see y'all on the we'll next see. episode. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, make no promises. <laughs> Definitely not. Happy Black History Month. Be Bye. black. Be prideful. Be gay. Bye. Bye.